Welcome to the Speak Up Talk Radio Network. I am Pat Rulo. We specialize in author interviews, audiobook and podcast production, as well as the prestigious Firebird Book Awards. We also feature our fun and short podcast that allows authors to record their own writing tip to share on our Boom Bang Oh My Gosh Wow podcast, which you will find right along with the rest of our offerings at speakuptalkradio.com. But for now, I am just thrilled to share a recent Firebird Book Award winning author with you. She is Deborah Shepard, and her winning book is titled So Happy Together. Deborah was born in Cambridge, Massachusetts, and spent much of her early life in the New York area. Before retiring in 2014, she was a social worker with a primary focus on the prevention of domestic violence and sexual assault and provision of victim services. During an earlier career as a reporter, she wrote for Show Business in New York City and for Rojan Independent, a weekly newspaper in Columbia County, New York. She also freelanced as a travel writer. She graduated from the Interlochen Arts Academy in Interlochen, Michigan, and holds a BFA in Drama from the University of Arizona and an MSW from the Fordham University Graduate School of Social Service. She lives with her husband and two rescue dogs on the coast of Maine, where she gardens, cooks, swims, reads, entertains her grandsons, and tries to speak French. Well, happily, I will be speaking English today, so welcome to the network, Deborah. Thank you, Pat. It's so nice to be here. Oh, it's really nice to have you here as well, and congratulations on winning the Firebird Book Award. Thank you. I'm thrilled. I'm really thrilled, and I love the little stickers that I have on my book. <laughs> And uh, my grandson has has, de- has uh, designed a bookmark, and I've got the sticker on the bookmark, too. So Aww. I'm very happy about that. Good. I'm happy. And I'm so nice that your grandson helps out as well. Oh, yeah. Well, I couldn't do it without him. He, he understands Canva and all that technology. Oh, stuff, okay. So I rely on him. Isn't that the truth? I know. Mm-hmm. I even have an eight-year-old granddaughter, and we do Zoom every Sunday, and sometimes things get all messed up, and she just knows how to access everything, the whiteboard, this and that, and it's just amazing how um, adept young people are at navigating this. I know, I know. I think it's just intuitive for this generation. Yes, I agree. I agree. I mean, I could figure it out eventually, but it's not my first go-to response. Right. So, Deborah, you say that you are an accidental writer. Tell us what that means. Well, um, throughout my social social work career, I did um, I did write uh, you know grants and reports and things like that. But when I retired, um, I decided I didn't want to write anything longer than a grocery list because I had written so many government reports that I was tired of it. And then um, I took a writing class, and one day I came home and I said to my husband, I think I'm writing a novel. And I had actually written So Happy Together 35 years ago. I had sent it out to one publisher, came back in the same box that it went out in, and I thought, well, I must be a really lousy writer. So I put it away in the closet, and it followed us on moves from house to house. And um, when I when I started taking this class and I told my husband, he said, you know that piece of juvenilia you wrote 30 years ago? Why don't you dig it out and maybe you can take some stuff from that and put it in the new novel and you won't have to work so hard. So I pulled it out and I really literally had not pulled it out in 30 years, read it in 30 years. <laughs> and um, I read it and I thought, this is not so bad after all. And uh, did some revisions and worked with an editor and 
it was published. So it's kind of purely accidental that that happened because mm-hmm. it could have sat there for another 30 years. It sure could have, and you could have just trashed it during any of your many moves, but there was a reason why you brought it with you. Yep. Yep. I think so. Yep. Another, I got a little chuckle out of this, and I know you did too, before we get into your book. Um, I have to laugh that Amazon designated your book as historical erotica. <laughs> oh, yeah. That was, that was a bit of a shock. Because the back of the book, you know, you have to write this little description on the back of the book. And, and mine starts out that says, set in the sex, drugs, and rock and roll 60s. And Amazon, you know, has these sort of keywords, and they picked out sex, and they picked out 60s, so they just put it in historical erotica. And I had to do a lot of work to um, get them to change it, but fortunately they did. (laughs) I've sort of made my peace with the historical, although... Um, when I was pitching this, this, uh, the manuscript originally, and I, I met with a very young, um, agent, and she said, I really liked it, but I don't, I don't, uh, represent authors of historical fiction. And I said, this isn't historical. This is, I grew up in, this is my lifetime. You know, this is my coming of age. She said, in publishing, it's historical. So I've made my piece with historical, but I couldn't make my piece with erotica because it definitely isn't. <laughs> You should have said, it's 1960, not 1860. Exactly, exactly. Oh, my God. You know, it might as well have been 1860 to this very young woman. (laughs) I got such a laugh out of that. Oh, my gosh. I'm sure you weren't laughing when you were trying to undo it, but still. No, no. no. I don't think anybody laughs when they're trying to undo anything that Amazon does, right? No, no, no. Oh, my gosh. It's like being on hold with with Spectrum or something on the phone. Oh, I was just doing that last week. So yeah, I have a very vivid memory of that. Oh my gosh. All right. So happy together. Give us a peek. Give give you a peek. Would you like me to read a couple of pages or would you like me to talk about it? You can do do both. If you want to start maybe by giving us a little brief idea of what the book is about. And then if there are a couple of pages that um, you feel really represent it. Yeah, let's do that. Sure. So the book is about a woman who um, gets to the age of about 40 and realizes that her uh, marriage is coming apart and she's lost her creative spark and, and it's all been sort of quenched uh, in service to husband and children. And um, she starts fantasizing about an old love, a college, college love, and what would, what would it be like to be with him? And... Um, I was actually, my marriage was unraveling when I was writing this, and I wrote it up at night when my kids went to bed. Um, but my character takes, decides to, when she drops her kids, her three kids off at camp, to take a road trip and try to find her old love. Now, this is pre-cell phone and pre-social media. Um, I didn't do that. I wrote about a woman who does. So um, that's essentially what it's about. And... Um, she was, you know, she came of age in the 60s. This is 20 years later. And she sort of looks around and goes, you know, is that all there is? Mm-hmm. So that's the story. Alrighty. So the, the characters, uh, the main, the main, the narrator is, uh, her name is um, Carolyn. Um, she's called Caro. And uh, her husband is Jack. And her old love is named Peter. So the passage that I'm going to read is the very beginning of the book, and uh, it's the prologue, and it takes place in Tucson, Arizona in 1967. 
Peter never stuttered when he was on stage. Framed by a proscenium, he was as eloquent as Sirs Richard Burton, Laurence Olivier, and Alec Guinness put together, and could vanquish those plosives and fricatives and bilabials like Hamlet dispatching his duplicitous mother and murderous stepfather with a thrust of his sword. Offstage, Peter McKinley, the first name starting with a plosive, last name with a bilabial, couldn't even introduce himself without grimacing and grunting and repeatedly pursing his lips. At first, it was painful to watch, but I got used to it. Except for that stuttering and his surprisingly wry sense of humor, you might not even notice he was there. He was a sweet, shy, soft-spoken, self-effacing, church-going college boy who blushed easily, was good to his mother, and rescued stray cats. But somewhere between the green room and the wings, he transformed. It wasn't just the makeup or the costume or the lights or all the theatrical abracadabra that I knew was just an illusion. It happened every time he stepped on stage. To me, he seemed broader and taller and more at home in his own skin. And did I mention Brave? He didn't just play the part. He was alive in it. That blossom in my heart, I'll fling to you armfuls of loose bloom. Love, I love beyond breath, beyond reason, beyond love's own power of loving. Your name is like a golden bell hung in my heart. And when I think of you, I tremble and the bell swings and rings. Roxanne, Roxanne, along my veins, Roxanne. Each night I hovered in the wings and held my breath as he declaimed these words to my stage rival. Each night he could have had me right then and there on those floorboards, curtain up or down, audience be damned. And then after the bows and the adulation, the cold cream makeup removal and the costume change, swashbuckling Cyrano de Bergerac became sweet, shy, stuttering Peter McKinley again. I loved him in both his personas. Oh, that sets us up, doesn't it? (laughs) That's the beginning. That's the beginning of the book. And it's all about sort of mad desire, right? Yes. Oh, I love that. Thank you for sharing it. Oh, well, thank you for um, letting me read it. I haven't looked at it in a few months and it's fun to go back. Oh, it sounds like you had read it often. It's just the way it... Flow. Well, I did. But it was, you know, the book came out a year ago, and then there was a lot of of that at, at that point. But now I'm writing another book, so I'm kind of enmeshed in that one. Oh my! And I love the cover. It really evokes the '60s. Absolutely. Not only does it evoke the '60s, but I think it evokes the story. Mm-hmm. And um, I know your your listeners can't see it, but if they if they go to Amazon and and Google "So Happy Together" by Deborah K. Shepard, they could see the cover. But but um, you know, there's kind of a love triangle. There's three hearts on it. There's a there's a desert road because this does take place in Arizona. Um, there's a woman who lo- who is looking longingly. When when uh, my publisher first sent the the cover copy, um, they sent nine different nine different uh, versions of a cover, and immediately I hated all of them. But I sat with this because <laughs> it wasn't what I'd envisioned, you know. Mm-hmm. So I sat, with, but I sat with this one, and I looked at it, and I, I went, and you know, kind of smacked my head. What, you know, this this cover designer got the essence of the whole book mm-hmm. in the cover, mm-hmm. and I was just thrilled. So, how amazing is that? That somebody who was not even part of the writing process can, can capture the whole book in a cover. I know, I know. It's pretty amazing, actually. Every time I look at it, I think about that. When I first got your book and saw So Happy Together, I immediately went to my first Turtles concert in junior high school. Uh-huh. That's, <laughs> that's, that's where it came from. Yep. 
back in but the, the day. The thing is, you know, this, that song is is ironic, you know, because this guy is longing for this young woman and he can't have her. You know, he's just imagining. Imagine you and me. I do. You know, I think about you every night. Um, it's not like they're together. Mm-hmm. So um, that's kind of a hint about my book. Right. And we'll leave it at that. People will have to get a copy to find out more. And when they go to the Speak Up Talk radio website, you'll have your own page on there and uh, the book cover will be there so they can take a look at the cover. So right there, so they don't have to switch over to Amazon. Oh, great. Great. Yeah, that'll, that'll help. So this was like a 30 year project. You know, you, you wrote it and put it away. How much more work did you have to do to resurrect it and get it ready for your final publishing? I would say probably I worked on it for a year and a half. I, I had three three more re- revisions, I think. The first thing I had to do was retype it on a computer because this was this was done on a word processor. And many of your in your audience may not remember word processors, but um, they were a precursor to computers. And uh, so obviously I had to retype it. So that helped. You know, that was the next version. And then I worked with an ed- a developmental editor, and we had it. We went through a few more versions of that um, to the point where um, I really thought it was done and I gave it to her and I did a little kind of flourish. Ta-da, it's done. And she reads it and she said, no, it's not done yet. Where's your inciting incident? And I said, what's an inciting incident? (laughs) And she explained. And then I said to her, well, I don't know. I just read this book, and it was about a woman going through menopause, and she goes on a road trip. That's not an inciting incident. She took. She says to me, "What? You don't think menopause is an inciting incident?" <laughs> I went, "Oh yeah, okay." <laughs> so then I, I did write an inciting incident, and uh, actually wrote the prologue that that I just read, and then it was a novel. Oh wow! How exciting to see. Years and years of work that just got shoved aside finally see the light of day. And so, what's the feedback? What have you been hearing? Oh, I've been getting a lot of great feedback. I mean, first of all, I mean, my own satisfaction with having done this, you know, and published it at 74, um, uh, makes me super happy. And um, I've gotten some really positive reviews. And my friends and family have read it, and they're, some of them are asking, well, which part of it is you? <laughs> Not answering that. So, I never took a road trip. Let's put it Let's that way. Let's put it that way. Everybody wants to know that. That's just the first thought, especially when you read, read the work of someone who you know. You're always right. trying to figure out, oh, is this something I didn't know about him or her? Exactly, exactly. Right. It adds a little bit of a, a mystery to it. <laughs> so you just leave them hanging. I do. I do. I, <laughs> this is a work of fiction, you know. Oh, my gosh. So what's next? What are you working on now? I am working on a memoir, and people will not have to guess about that one because mm-hmm. that's my life. Um, uh, I'm working on a memoir about my first marriage, and um, I was married to a much older man. So it's a, it's, a, it's a kind of an interesting story. Fascinating. So where are you in the process? Um, I thought I was done, <laughs> but I'm not. Not again. Um, <laughs> Uh, because, um, again, the same editor that I worked with for the first one, I said, you know, you're, she says, you know, you're telegraphing the end all through this part. So I'm, 
at this point, I am literally cutting and pasting, which is I, I printed out on one side on paper, um, and I'm cutting and scotch taping it all over the place. It's on my dining room table. Oh, my. That is a process. It is a process, and it, I had to sit with it for a couple of weeks before I could even um, tackle it, but I have done. I have started. Great. Well, good. We'll look forward to that one. For sure. Yeah, I hope. Uh, I, yes, and, and I hope I can enter that in the in the Firebird Awards process as well someday. Well, you're someday. always always welcome here. So that one's almost wrapped up. Do you have anything in mind for another, or are you kind of taking a break? Oh, I need to. You know, I'm still I'm still publicizing the first one, marketing and public. So that sort of never seems to end. The marketing and publicizing. Um, and um, I'm actually sort of making the circuit of. Um, book fests and um, farmers markets. We're just I'm going to sell it at our local farmers market this uh, this summer. We have something called locally grown books where we have some local main authors and we're we have a tent together. So I'm going to do that. So I'm sort of it's kind of old school, low key. Um, going to the book fest in Vermont called Bookstock in a couple of weeks, and then there's uh, another one in, in Maine and then there's the Boston book fair in the fall. So, um, that's, those are my plans for publicizing this. And at the same time, I'm, I'm, you know, revising the memoir and I, I write essays and I've had a couple of those published. So I'm writing essays in between. So the next book, mm, I'm not sure, yeah. um, if it's going to be a next book, right? Each book takes a little out of you. It, it, it it, you're fulfilled by it, but it still it still takes a lot of work. It most certainly does. If you're going to do a good job, it does take a lot of work. I like your marketing process. You said it was old school. I like that. Uh, I know just from my own experience, you could do a lot on social media, but the best I always do is when I would do speaking events and bring the books with you and people meet you and Everybody loves that, and and you build a little bit of a relationship with people. So I think your right. I think your farmers markets and your and your book fests are going to do well. Well, I hope so, and it just it feels more comfortable to me. Um, you know, social media is not uh, not my most comfortable place to be. Um, I've made my peace with Facebook. Um, once in a while, I. I will post on uh, Instagram, but I'm not really sure how to do that. <laughs> and, um, and that, uh, you know, that's it for me. Um, no Twitter or, or whatever the other side. It's just um, this other thing feels, you know, person to person feels more comfortable. Mm -hmm. Well, it's a lot to market via social media. You almost need to be two people because to be effective, you have to spend a couple hours on it every day. And uh Especially if you didn't right. gr grow up doing that. I mean, back in the day, nobody did that, so it's a it's an unusual thing to tackle. Uh, right, and and I I didn't you know when I wrote the book and I was so thrilled that She Rides Press published it. I you know I had no idea. I had no idea what I was in for seriously about publicizing and marketing. There you know there's certain things I like to do, like I like to write essays about you know and have them placed. Um, in different different media about you know either about the process of writing it or or something related to the book that feels comfortable to me but um, tooting my own horn is is uh, you know I'm more of an introvert than than that. Yep, it's a big process and it takes a lot of time. 
So what is your writing day look like? Do you write whenever you feel like it? Or do you sit down at a certain time of day, a certain place? Is there a routine oh, to I it? Wish, I wish I sat down every day at a certain time in a certain place. But you know, there's always like laundry to do and the dishwasher needs to be unloaded and oh my garden is calling to me and so I'm kind of one of those writers that that um I need to be inspired to write so it's um it's more sporadic than than I'd like it to be but um that's the way I've always written yeah well that's understandable there's always something that pulls at you a lot of authors who then work full time and then try to fit the writing in whenever they can or they get up early. And that always makes me feel bad that, you know, you might be at the middle of work someday and a great idea comes to you and you've got to figure, well, I've got to wait till tonight or tomorrow morning to tackle that. So at least right. at least you have the right. freedom to, you know, if the mood strikes you, you can sit down and write. Right, and I, I know a lot of my sister authors are raising young children, and they're working full-time, and they're also writing, and I think it's quite amazing. Um, and I, you know, I, I actually was in that place many years ago, but um, I really have to hand it to them because I do have the, I do have the leisure, you know, and the, the freedom to be able to write when I want, which is nice. Which is, which is like a consolation prize for being as old as I am, I guess. Oh, you're not old at all. <laughs> but, but you some know what? Days, some days I feel older than other days. No, I, I get but, but you know what? I want to actually, I want to encourage women, um, or anybody who's, who's older and thinks that they're, that, you know, maybe they're too old to get a book published. But, um, I thought I was so unique when I, when I was going through this process. And then through, you know, through the publishing process, I've met so many people who are my age or even older who are either, you know, publishing their first book or their second or their third. And it's a, it's a great, um, for me, it's a sisterhood because she writes press, um, publishes women writers. So it's been, um, a wonderful surprise and a dividend to be amongst this community of writers. And I always hear so many positive things about She Writes Press. It is. It's, you know, I, I, um, I feel like, you know, I have, I have friends, but they don't understand about the writing process. But, but, um, these women that I, you know, that I haven't met, but I'm, you know, messaging back and forth, we can say three words and everybody gets exactly what, mm-hmm. what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. So it's so nice. That is to, to build your own community. And it's kind of neat how you don't even know, you've never met these people and yet you feel a connection to them. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. I do. Yep. I do. So as you finished So Happy Together and now your memoir, as you look back on the process, do you feel like you learned something about yourself? Was there any kind of a transformation for you as you put all of this on paper? Wow. Um, I, I had to have been transformed. I really, um, it was, I think the, the process was amazing. It was humbling. Because, um, I thought, you know, like I had that first draft, I thought, I'm a, you know, I'm a good writer. This is good. And I had so much to learn about writing. I had so much to learn about, um, really how to, how to sell the book. You know, I, I, what I found was sort of an inner reservoir of, um, 
you know, of being able to sort of just get out there and do it and, and say, you know, this is my book. I'm proud of it. Um, I hope you'll like it, you know, please buy it. Um, I didn't think I had that in me and, and, uh, and obviously I do. So, um, that was, that was quite a, um, a pleasure to learn that. For sure. And an inspiration to others, as you say, it, it's important to, especially older who figure, hey, I could never write a book. I'm too old to do that, that you're never too old to do that. It, and then maybe there's the concern that, well, I don't have training in writing. How do you address that? Because some people may have a great book inside them and maybe grew up and were terrible spellers and they were horrible in English and grammar. And, and maybe that's what's holding them back. So any advice as to how to fight that little yeah, thought? Yeah, when I, when I retired, um, we have something in Maine, and I think in many other states, it's, the same, uh, it's called the Maine Alliance of uh, Writers and Maine Writers and Publishers Alliance, MWPA. And I know that there's some in other states, but they offer workshops. And there's also your local senior colleges, your, you know, um, uh, those kinds of things that offer, and you can you can Google writing workshops, and you can even do them online. So I found that tremendously helpful, um, because as I said, I wrote this 30 years ago. Uh, styles have changed, all kinds of things have changed mm-hmm. about what's sellable and what's not. And um, so I really did learn, and I learned from my uh, fellow writers in these in these workshops as well. So I would say take classes, and most of them are most of them are. Um, uh, very low fees, you know, especially in the senior colleges mm-hmm. or the adult education um, programs. Right. That's a great way to start meet fellow people with like-minded uh, goals and aspirations. And I think it's also important to build a team around you to get that editor, somebody that's going to take a look at it, who is a professional and help help you through it. Right. And in fact, the way I found my editor was she was a, a workshop leader through Maine Writers Publishers uh, Alliance. And I learned so much from the workshop I took from her, I decided I wanted to work with her further. Yeah, I was thinking of that. That's another great place to network and meet people who can help you with the process. Right. Well, as we begin to think about wrapping up, is there anything we missed that you wanted to highlight today? Um, I don't think so. We covered... 35 years, Pat. <laughs> we covered a lot. Um, uh, just maybe where you can where you can learn more about me. Sure. Um, I have a um, a website www.debrashepherdwrites.com, and it's D E B O R A H S H E P H E R D W R I T E S. Dot com and my Facebook page is Deborah K. Shepherd, author. <laughs> All right, so we're speaking with Deborah Shepherd. Title of the book is So Happy Together. The website is DebraShepherdWrites.com. Deb, thanks so much for sharing you today and sharing your book. And I'm so looking forward to that memoir coming out. So keep us posted on that. But but thank you for today. Thank you. It was so much fun, Pat. <laughs>